Welcome in to the Fantasy Football Fathers Podcast, where only one of us is an actual father and none of us are priests. My name is Trey Jose, a.k.a. Stinky Fingers, a.k.a. the only father on this podcast. Today, I am joined by Tyler Biggery Urbach. What's, What's up? up and don't forget, a.k.a. Uh, Victory Lap there, remember? a.k.a. Victory Lap Jose, a.k.a. <laughs> the Undeniable Selector. So, yeah, I'm joined today by Tyler Bigger Bierbach. <laughs> we missed him on Monday. Glad to have you back. Yep, and now we're down another guy. God damn it. Yeah, we, we lost one. Replaced him with another. Either way, we're still coming at you. If you couldn't tell by now, we are missing Jimbo... James Dreer, he will be back with us tomorrow night, and we might also have a special guest appearance from hey. the smaller Urbach, Lil Irby. <laughs> so stay tuned for that. Uh, but right now, um, if you're listening, if you haven't already, follow us on Twitter at the FF Fathers. We're always down for questions, you know, as far as waiver wires, who should start or sit, those kind of things. Uh, if you're haven't followed us yet on the platform that you're listening to us on make sure you follow like subscribe whatever it's called also give us five stars if you can rate us on that platform and that leads us into this episode here it's week eight we're doing start or sits for the early games if you're looking for start or sits for the late games which would be you know sunday afternoon sunday night monday night football that will be our episode that's gonna be coming out on friday morning so stay tuned for that one. But this one focuses on the early games on Sunday. There's nine games. Before we get into that, we got two teams on by the Chiefs and the Chargers, which means you're probably going to be looking to fill in for a quarterback. So pay attention to what we're saying during these games. If you're looking for a quarterback streamer. And I think that pretty much covers all the BS we need to cover before we dive into the juice, right? Yep, let's get that juice. Let's, let's fucking get the juice. It's worth the squeeze. So the first game we're talking about is Thursday night football. We got the Ravens in Tampa Bay playing the Buccaneers after the Buccaneers got absolutely embarrassed last week. The Ravens are only one and a half point favorites. The overrunner is forty five points. This should be a pretty fun one to watch after the last few weeks of Thursday night football. But let's talk about the Ravens side of the football. Oh, what are you gonna say? You got something? I mean, I don't know if it's gonna be. Honestly, the Buccaneers look like completely lost. Tom Brady doesn't seem like he wants to be there. The Ravens are like a so-so team as it is. Like outside of Lamar Jackson, like what are you tuning in for? Uh, to watch Gus Edwards be badass. Okay. And Fair um, yeah, honestly, that, that is a good point. There's really not much going on. I like to see the to see the Ravens win though. That'd be cool. So, and they are favorites. So, you know, Vegas believes in them. But speaking of Gus Edwards, he made his debut last week after not playing since 2020. He led the team in carries and yards, totally dominated the backfield. I thought that was interesting because Kenyon Drake had a good, you know, two-week run. But as I said many times in this podcast, I don't like Kenyon Drake as like a permanent option. I was surprised he had those two good weeks. Good for him, but he's really not that guy. And Gus Edwards kind of proved that point. He came back healthy and totally dominated the backfield. So even though it was just one game, do you think this makes Edwards the only guy in the Ravens backfield to have on your fantasy team? Yes. Yeah, I do. Um, I mean, the the Ravens, they've had Gus on their team for, for quite some time now. They like the way he runs the ball. He runs really, you know, angry. He's aggressive. He, he's a guy who likes to lower his pads. 
And when he does get his chance, he always seems to to do his, you know, to do work with it. I mean, if you look at he didn't play at all last season, but if you look at the year before, every time he got his opportunity to carry to really kind of be the leader in the backfield, he put up good productive numbers. Um, for his career, he averages like four point six yards per carry. Um, the dude just is one of those guys that is always falling forward. Um, he just he honestly he reminds me of what a Baltimore Raven is like that tough, hard nosed type of dude. He's just like kind of epitomizes that, and the Ravens love him for it. Yeah, that's exactly how I feel about it. And people kind of forgot about him once J.K. Dobbins hopped on the scene, and obviously Gus Edwards wasn't playing. Um. So it, it seems like Gus is back in his old ways, which is nice to see. And J.K. Dobbins, if you haven't heard by now, he got placed on IR. So minimum of four weeks gives Gus plenty of time to take over this backfield. So I, I, I like him a lot, definitely. I don't think we're going to see much of Kenyon Drake anymore. This should be his backfield. Yeah, yeah, it should be. So what about Rashad Bateman? I'll be honest, I was in love with this guy during the offseason, and I've just been eating shit on that take. He did not practice Tuesday. He got a full practice in today after missing the last two weeks with a foot injury. If he does make it back in time for Thursday Night Football, a.k.a. that would be today if you're listening to this on Thursday, would you throw him into your lineup? Man, I I, I mean, I was with you, man. You had me completely sold on Bateman in the offseason and all the targets that he should have been getting, and that's just not happening right now. So I don't know if I'm necessarily I don't want to necessarily throw him right back into my lineup. I want to see how it goes. He is still, you know, he practiced and folded it. He is still uh, carrying a questionable tag going into the game. So that's a little concerning that way that they didn't take him off the injury report. But a full practice is always good. He should be playing. Um, I don't think he should be playing in your lineup, so at least not for this week. Yeah, I totally agree. The the targets aren't there. They're spreading the ball in a weird way. It's really Lamar Jackson, Mark Andrews, and Gus Edwards. That's the only people you can really mess with, right? Yeah, basically. But Mark Andrews, speak of the devil, he has not practiced this week. And last week he did sit out practice Wednesday and Thursday and had a limited practice on Friday. I believe he still played, didn't he? He did. He didn't play a whole I didn't play very well he had played 88 percent snaps but only got two targets and no catches really a weird stat line that I don't think we've ever seen from Mark Andrews honestly so a little concerning going into this game but I mean it's Mark Andrews you're not gonna you know come off the for anything yeah it's definitely like probably the worst game of his career um very surprising stat line but yeah as you said you can't bench him if he's healthy if he's healthy you're throwing him out there he is the best t- uh tight end in fantasy Maybe in the league, obviously Kelsey's in that conversation, but it's really undeniable between those two. Undeniable. Yeah, but I mean, those are the those are the only two guys. They do it in kind of different ways, but those are the two guys, and it's the way it's really been really those two guys for what three years now, where it's just those two, and we keep wanting to throw someone else into the conversation. It just isn't happening. Like Kittle was kind of there, and he's fallen off some. Uh, Darren Waller was kind of there, and he's fallen off some. Everyone announced Kyle Pitts as the next up and coming, and he's not even like coming anymore. Like I don't even know what's going on with <laughs> with him anymore. So um, I don't. Man, it's Mark Andrews and Travis Kelsey. Outside of that, there's no point in drafting a tight end until like the ninth round in future seasons. Just keep that in mind. <laughs> Me and Kyle Pitts have something in common. We're just not coming anymore, man. <laughs> it just it doesn't happen. 
<laughs> so let's talk about the Bucks. Um, if you haven't noticed lately, Tom Brady has been playing not necessarily like dog shit, but definitely not up to par with what he has been doing in recent years, especially last year. And at this point, it doesn't seem like he really is a streaming option, which is pretty wild to say. Like, would you? I, I don't think I would start Tom Brady this week. Would you? Yeah, I don't think you can. Honestly, he's been like he's not having like you said he's not playing terribly. Like if you look at his overall stats, they're not bad, but they don't you know wow you either. He's not scoring a ton of touchdowns. Um, he scored one touchdown in every game except against Kansas City when he had three. Outside of that, he's basically done nothing. And as much as quarterbacks get points because of how much yardage they can put up, if you're not scoring touchdowns, you can't really help your fantasy team. So he's not killing you as a fantasy quarterback, but I mean, he's not winning you any games either. Yeah, and I need him to win me some games. He definitely screwed me over on one of my start of the week picks when I chose Tom Brady. (laughs) But yeah, I'm definitely fading him for now. Hopefully they get things together. Their run game, I think we're avoiding that, right? Leonard Fournette. Well, no, I mean, you're still starting Leonard Fournette because Leonard Fournette is still putting up numbers, just not on the running game. He's getting a ton of work out of the backfield. Yeah, that's a good clarification. They can't run the ball, but he is getting fantasy points. Yeah, I mean, Leonard Fournette is still the number six running back in in PPR formats. Um, Has, like, 300 yards on the season, but is... I think he has just as many receiving yards as rushing yards on the season, almost. It's pretty dang crazy, and he's getting all of his touchdowns through the air as well, so... Leonard Fournette is still getting his uh, one way or the other, which is good for fantasy owners. But yeah, outside of that, no. Well, let's talk about the receivers then. You know, Mike Evans and Julio Jones, both limited practices on Tuesday. Looks like Evans is going to be good to go for Thursday night football because he is officially off the injury report now. And Julio might be ready to make his third appearance in seven games. So... If Julio is playing, you willing to take that risk? I don't think I am. No, no. I mean, Julio's just he, again. We've talked about him a lot. Whenever he is likely to play, we always say like, don't fall for for the you know the name value of Julio Jones. Julio Jones is one of the best receivers to ever play this game. Um, the the numbers he put up his first like ten years in the league are almost unparalleled. Like he is a great great player, or he was a great great player, but. Uh, the injury buck has really caught him the last few years, and he's just not the same guy. So uh, don't fall for for you know the clickbait with with Julio Jones, but Mike Evans and Chris Godwin are still the guys you want. Yeah, definitely, and he's a good example of like not to be living in the past, especially with fantasy football. It doesn't matter what somebody's done; it's about now, and it's just not happening with him. Especially if Tom Brady, if he was throwing, if Tom Brady was throwing like three or four touchdowns a week, then I would consider Julio Jones. But that that shit's just not happening. Yeah. So let's talk about the Broncos playing in Jacksonville against the Jaguars. Jaguars are two and a half point favorites. Oh, yeah, I guess not in Jacksonville. Sorry, I didn't see that. So Broncos are playing his Jaguars in London. Jaguars are two and a half point favorites. Over under is 39 points. Seems like Russ is trending in the right direction injury wise after missing last week's game, but he's not trending in the right direction. Fantasy wise, because he's been playing like dog shit. <laughs> I'm not starting him if he is healthy. I'm just not doing it. I I have to see multiple weeks of production out of him to trust him. How do you feel about your boy Russ, aka formerly cooking, formerly Seahawk? <laughs> <laughs> I 
Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, you're, you're going to, it's a wait and see with, with Russ at this point. Uh, did you hear the report about him basically being like the worst passenger ever and doing a four hour workout on the flight to London? I saw the clickbait. I didn't click it. Is that what he was yeah, doing no, on the plane? Uh, yeah. I mean, and obviously it's a team plane. So it's not like he was like, you know, in first class doing this kind of stuff, but like still like even as a, as a team, I'm sure the guys are looking at him like, what the fuck is he doing? Like, come on, man. Like, sit down and relax. I know, like, I know he just wants to be ready, but, whew, man. Also, the other thing, being with Russ, I mean, he knows the season is, is becoming lost. The whole uh, Broncos country let's ride has uh, fallen off. He's not doing that at the end of his press conference anymore. So, <laughs> that can't be a good sign either when Russ doesn't believe anymore. I don't know, man. That's a, that's a, that, this looks like it's going to be a lost season. Broncos country, let's die. <laughs> yeah. In his defense, though, that flight to London is, what, 12 hours or something? So, I don't really blame him. He'd probably get pretty fucking bored on that flight. Hey, man, Michael Jordan would have played cards for 12 hours, all right? And walked yeah, off well, that he... plane by 10 grand richer. Yeah, well, Michael Jordan actually won games and was productive. So, <laughs> let's not put him in the same category <laughs> here. Um, So, last week, Melvin Gordon, he got the start last week. And head coach Nathaniel Hackett said he would be the starter, but still he only had three more touches than Latavius Murray, who we think is definitely going to be taking over this backfield slowly, but surely at least I do. I mean, we'll we'll see what happens, but that seems what, what everything's trending towards. Neither of those guys really did much with, with their carries, but Latavius Murray is the one who did end up in the end zone. And we talked about this last week. He's the one who gets the goal line carries. He's in, he's an interesting, uh, factor right now for that team what are we going to do about this backfield though melvin gordon struggling latavius murray is not getting a huge also amount struggling. of touches yeah <laughs> yeah but he's getting the touchdowns um he, he is he's, he's gonna go line work um against jacksonville specifically i don't think i would like to start either one of them if i'm be completely honest jacksonville does give up a good chunk of points to the running back position they're actually uh top in the top 10 like worst in the league when it comes to points to running backs, but I don't know the defense. Maybe they play. Maybe when you're watching them play, they play better than what the stats show. So it's a little weird that way. But I just don't feel confident starting either one right now. Yeah, I'm with you. But with this running back landscape, I would, there's a good chance you're probably going to be forced to start one of these guys. And I would rather have Latavius Murray at this. Point. Agreed. Now there is there's a lot of rumors out there about teams calling to trade for Melvin Gordon, and if that's the case, then then obviously Latavius Murray becomes a major, major, you know, uh, boon for fantasy owners. So if you have him, if you have Latavius Murray, Murray on your roster, hold on to him until at least after the trade deadline, which comes up in about a week or so, um, a week, 10 days, something like that, um, and see what happens then. Because Mel Gordon goes, and all of a sudden Latavius Murray is a really strong fantasy running back. Now, that's a really good point. If you're letting go of Latavius Murray, I think you're an idiot at this point. It's you're holding on to a potential, I wouldn't say league winner, but a potential starting running back. So yeah, you, you make a good point with that one. So what about the receivers? And honestly, what about them? The, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, okay, there's something to be said that with Brett Rippon at quarterback, Jerry Judy had by far his best season of or his best game of the season. Um, he, let me check real quick. He had 11 targets, so uh, far outpaced Cortland Sutton with that. And 
has now led the team in passing or in receiving the last two weeks. So, I mean, Jerry Judy seems to be, you know, kind of trending upwards where Cortland Sutton might be trending a little farther downwards because uh, Sutton did get nine targets, so it's still a good share there, but only caught three of those targets. So um, clearly him and Rippin are not on the same um, same page in terms of their play calling. If Russ plays, maybe you get another but, but bump from Sutton this week. But um, I don't know, man. I mean, obviously it's going to be wait and see. It's weird how going into the season, like the Broncos were all the rage and, you know, all these guys are going to be so good. And now we're talking about literally not having a single fantasy player just to start on this team. Yeah, it's pretty wild. I, I still have faith in Sutton. I know he had nine targets and only three catches. I think that just goes to show that he is like heavily game planned into the game, though, because Rippin, yeah. I didn't watch the game, but it seems like, you know, Rippin was throwing the ball to him and it just wasn't connecting. Obviously, you know, nine targets, only three catches. So I'm still in on Sutton as the season moves forward, and Judy's interesting, but if his only good game came from Brett Rippin, then you really have to kind of rely on the fact that Brett Rippin is the one uh, under center for the Broncos. But let's talk about the Jags. The Jaguars. Yeah. Yeah. The Jaguars have so many more fantasy relevant players than the Broncos do right now. It's insane. It's a weird fantasy year, and that kind of sums it up perfectly. So <laughs> we can safely say now the backfield takeover for Travis Etienne is complete. James Robinson was traded to the New York Jets. Now it's it's pretty much Travis Etienne's backfield. Yeah. And it's obvious that he's a must-start. And for the rest of the season, I think Etienne, um, you know, top 10 running back. It, it, things are looking extremely high for him the rest of the year. How do you feel? I agree. No, I completely agree. In this last week before, your, after this last game, obviously maybe they were planning on shipping off James Robinson because Etienne got a major jump in, in uh, snap percentage going from his season high before was 53%. He then all of a sudden had 80% snap share last week. So that's a major up uptick um i think they were already planning on you know trading away james robinson so it is etn and i completely agree with you that he is a top 10 running back the rest of the way yeah 80 percent snap share you're talking about it, that's a pretty rare i mean there are very few guys doing like josh jacobs Derek henry austin eckler dalvin cook i'm probably missing a couple but that's good company to be in it's it's a rare thing to have and if you have him you're sitting on a gold mine right now it's a, Absolutely. a pure RB1 is extremely rare. And Christian Kirk, he's having a pretty good year so far, and he bounced back last week after having a couple of down games after that hot start to the season. He had 10 targets, but so did Zay Jones. And at the same time, Marvin Jones got eight targets, which is kind of wild. So we're talking about 28 targets between three receivers from Trevor Lawrence. So with Jones getting more targets, you know, the Jones is picking up more targets. Say Jones and Marvin Jones. <laughs> I was hoping you were gonna do that. <laughs> yeah, so the Jones is, you know, can can he keep up with the Joneses? Um, yeah, I think he can. Um I think it's good that, you know, they're all getting targets now because maybe you can start to rely a little bit on probably more of Zay Jones than Marvin Jones. Um, but Christian Kirk is still gonna get his. He's still gonna be the number one guy. Uh, number one receiver in this offense. So uh, Christian Kirk, I think, is still good to be, you know, a guy that's in your lineup every week. I understand this week could be have a little hesitation, though. I mean, Denver has a very strong defense. They're very good against wide receivers as well. Uh, they are giving up. Oh, sorry. Uh, 
only 18 points per game to the receiving position. That is the best in the league. So uh, I wouldn't expect all of them to have very good games. I think I could still rely on Christian Kirk. But obviously there is a little bit of concern um, that Patrick Sertan will be out there, you know, shadowing him. Even though Kirk plays a lot, a lot from the slot. So we'll like to see how that matchup goes. It could be that Kirk, they don't want to put Sertan into the slot to, to, you know, follow him. And that could be good for fantasy owners that way. That's a lot of good points. Definitely. That's like the deep dive. It's it's weird how Denver they still have a good defense, but their offense is so garbage. So, dude, I mean, yeah. honestly, if it wasn't for their defense, they would be getting blown out in these games. The defense is the only reason that these games are even close for them. Defense wins championships. Let's talk about the Panthers playing in Atlanta against the Falcons. Falcons are four and a half point favorites. Might be one of the first times they're actually favorites this year. The over under is forty two <laughs> points. And obviously the Panthers are kind of the talk of the week after their pretty big upset against the Buccaneers after, you know, getting rid of CMC, starting PJ Walker, formerly XFL MVP. And I'll just say this little victory lap for myself. I said it. I said it two weeks ago. You could check the Twitter. If you follow us on Twitter at the FF fathers, put PJ Walker in the game. What they do? They beat the Bucks. Obviously, that, <laughs> he didn't beat the Bucks, but <laughs> single-handedly, PJ Walker beat the Bucks. <laughs> PJ Walker, he was out there, <laughs> one man on defense. But what should we expect from this offense now? Yeah, PJ Walker, you guys first start of the season, and as a result, DJ Moore had his best game of the season, and Deonta Foreman and Chuba Hubbard both had pretty good games. And usually, the Bucks are really good against you know. uh against the run and that didn't happen they allowed you know 120 yards just a Deonta Foreman add in Chuba Hubbard I think we're talking about 170 180 yards so I mean is this a fluke or what do we think about these guys um I don't want to call it necessarily a fluke um but I think the changes certainly sparked this team I think the interim head coach uh Steve Wilkes or I think is his name is um has sparked this team. I mean, it says something about a coach who in his very first game as the interim has gets in an absolute, you know, screaming match with a player, kicks him off the team or kicks him off the sideline and immediately trades his ass. Like that's someone taking control. Um, and that's Robbie. That's whole Robbie Anderson incident. If you guys aren't following that. Um, but like he's showing that like, Hey, we're going to be better. I'm going to hold you to a higher standard and we're going to go out, out here and compete. And, the team responded. So what that means going forward, I'm not sure. Um, I don't think you can rely on DJ Moore being back in the lineup right now. Um, if he has another good game this week, I might change my tune. In the backfield, I think uh, Dante Foreman is the guy I'd rather have. He clearly is the workhorse there. He's getting a lot more carries than Chuba Hubbard did in the first week. Um, but, I mean, who knows? I mean, who knows what, the, what could happen with this and, you know, and the spark this offense might have going forward. I'll just touch on this a little bit. We talked about it on our waiver wire episode on Monday that came out on Tuesday. Me and Jim were talking about, you know, Deontay Foreman or Chuba Hubbard. And Foreman's numbers were a little inflated. He did have that 60 yard run and he ended up with more carries than Chuba Hubbard. But those were mostly during garbage time when the game was sealed. And it sounds dumb, but if you take away, you know, his 60 yard run and his garbage time carries, he wasn't really the focus of their offense going into the game. It was Chuba Hubbard. 
So I, I think that's a pretty interesting thing to think about moving forward between these two running backs. I do like Deontay Foreman more, but you got to kind of keep an eye on that because Chuba Hubbard, you know, early in the game, he had a majority of the carries. So I thought I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah, and maybe and that could be maybe you know they relied on the bigger back and Foreman to end the game, um, you know, get those hard yards. So that could be, but. I mean, the ultimately what I'm relying on here is that I've seen more from Foreman in his short career than we have from Chuba Hubbard in his short career. So that's the guy I'm going to rely on. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. What about the Falcons? A lot of interesting names. You know, they're enticing <laughs> <about> names. <laughs> yeah, what about them? Um, Kyle Pitts, honestly, I'm avoiding him. Would you start Kyle Pitts? It's just not showing up. They don't throw the ball that much. And that's the problem. They don't throw the damn ball. They throw the ball like 16 times a game. It doesn't matter how talented that your your people around you are. You're never going to be able to be fancy productive. I mean, in all honesty, I think the one thing that Falcons, anyone who has you know shares of the Falcons in fantasy, are praying for a quarterback change because oh the offense God. will change. If Desmond, dude, come on. What, they're not winning games and Marcus Mariota's not throwing the ball at all. So like, what's the point in keeping Ritter on the bench? They're not letting him throw the ball. I will die on this hill for Mariota. Marcus, you're my boy. Shout we, out. Follow we, us they're on not Twitter. letting. They're not letting him throw the ball because he can't throw the damn ball. He had like a 70 yard touchdown last week. Huck that bad boy up. <laughs> to who? Who caught it? Because I would like to see that stack. I, I was looking through this when I was doing the doctor. I didn't see nobody with a good game. I saw it live. I don't know who caught it. I remember was it, it a llama day? Zacchaeus? Uh, a llama day? What is that? Like something at the zoo? Yeah, remember a llama day? Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus? We talked <laughs> yeah. about him last year a bunch. Was, was it him that caught it? Like who? About, like, <laughs> it's, la- it's llama day at the zoo. Come down. Come on down. Llama <laughs> day. Like who but, caught this ball? I want to know. Uh, I don't know. Look it up. Shit. I'm trying. Ain't nobody had a good game. Oh, there it is. It was Demir Bird. One catch, 75 yards and a touchdown. Damier. That's why we don't let you pronounce the names. You don't get it white. Damier? Bro. Damier. You still say Saquon. It's Saquon. Yeah, well, I literally talked to his mom, and that's what she told me to say. <laughs> so. <laughs> so, anyways. What about Tyler's Algier? You love this guy. I do. My guy. Running backs are hard to come by. Honestly, in the couple of leagues I do have him where I'm struggling, where I had Javante Williams and he's out for the season, I am starting Tyler Algier. About time you listen. <laughs> he's your he's your Algier. It's Tyler's Algier. I no, I know. And like he hasn't played spectacularly so far. Um, he did score a touchdown last week, which was good. Uh, but he gets Carolina this week. So, I mean, good as time as ever. The, the nice thing is that he is, you know, dominating touches back there. Uh, Caleb Huntley has started to, you know, kind of fall off a little bit in terms of his touches and his snap share as well. So um, after, you know, getting 16 carries against uh, San Francisco, he turned around and only had six carries against Cincinnati. He only played 23% of the snaps. So right now it's Algiers backfield and, you know, the one thing you can say about this offense is that they do run the ball decently well. So, Algiers, your guy. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure you're glad to say that. You were talking about Algiers all year. <laughs> you love that, dude. Hey, man. Tyler's got to stick together. 
So let's move into the one of the biggest spreads of the early games. Chicago Bears are playing in Dallas in uh in Jerryville, Jerry Dome, whatever they call it, against the Dallas Cowboys. The Cowboys are 10 point favorites, over under is 42 and a half points. Last week the Bears looked pretty damn solid. They messed up the Patriots pretty bad. Probably had their best offensive showing of the season. And Despite all of those great things, it seems like they're muddying up the backfield, which is bad for us in the fantasy world. Montgomery wasn't really the bell cow that he usually is. And he only had three more touches than Khalil Herbert. So, I mean, even moving forward, I know that kind of it, it muddies things up, puts a little gray area in there. I still like Montgomery. And I'm just going to... I know it's the obvious that Khalil Herbert is running the ball better, but Montgomery still gets more touches. So I'm I'm still in with Montgomery until Herbert eclipses him. But at the same time, if you have Herbert, you can start him. So it's a, a good thing for people who have him. I mean, yeah, that could be. I mean, what about this week, though? Cowboys defense, tough, man. Really tough. They give up. They're actually the best defense against running backs on the season, only 15 points a game. Well, then it's just Montgomery all day. Oh, Monty. You think so? I mean, I I'd be if I mean I'm not sure if you can have a better option than, than Montgomery to play, but in all honesty, the way this defense is playing, and uh, you know the Bears' offense, even though they've had like one and a quarter good game so far this season, uh, I can't trust them. I I would be looking to probably sit both of them if I can. I see what you're saying. It's not going to be expecting Montgomery to have a great game, but I do expect him to have a touchdown. And if a running back gets a touchdown, you're starting him. Because the running back landscape is garbage. I feel like I've said that a hundred times this year, but I'll just keep saying it. <laughs> it's so <laughs> bad. So, Justin Fields looks like he's kind of sneaking into streamable areas. You know, he, he's flirting with being a starter. The last three weeks, he hasn't had less than 17 points after having a pretty horrid first four of the weeks of the season. And in the last two weeks, he has 160 or 170 rushing yards and a touchdown. He's ran the ball 26 times. I mean, not this week again because they're playing Dallas, but he could be a decent streaming option going forward. They're starting to use him on the ground more often, or you know, or maybe he's just being more a little more decisive and not holding the ball so long and you know taking that sack. Maybe he's just taking it down and, and you know, taking off with it sooner than, than he has been previously. So he could become better. I do like to, that this offense is starting to expand. You know, we he's had a couple of his best passing games the last few few weeks, at least the most more efficient than he has been earlier in the year. So I don't know, maybe, just maybe, Justin Fields should be in the back of, of fantasy owners' minds when it comes to, you know, having to replace somebody during bye weeks. Yeah, this is a good week for it. Justin Herbert's out. Patrick Mahomes is out. And speaking of Patrick Mahomes, I know it's a crazy comparison, but I watched a lot of that Bears game on Monday. And it's not like Justin Fields was just, you know, tucking it and running anytime he felt kind of scared. He had a pretty good pocket presence. And, like, towards the last moments that he was able to, that's when he decided to start to scramble because he felt the pocket collapsing. And about half of his carries were actually designed runs. So it's a good mixture between him actually, you know, buying time and finding the open field when things are falling apart and him just getting yards when he's meant to from a play call. So I, I think I like him more than you. 
And I would de- I wouldn't feel that bad about throwing him in this week. I know Dallas is strong, but it, it seems like he's he, it's finally coming together for him. Yeah, I I I would say that I would hold off this week. Um, maybe next week. I think the the Dolphins next week. I'd be a little more yeah open to that. But uh, this week I'm gonna hold off. Either way, pay attention to him. If he's available, throw him on your watch list. The good old watch list. Good old watch list. So the Cowboys side of the ball, Dak came back last week, and he did pretty good. He was efficient. Wasn't spectacular. What do we think about this week going up against that Bears defense? The Bears defense has just traded away their best pass rusher and Robert Quinn. Um, yeah, I would expect that uh, that this – that he's better this week. Obviously, it's a thumb injury. It's all about being able to grip that football. Um, it's going to take some time for to get you know full feeling back. So I think he's going to continue to get better. So um, I think you're probably safe putting Dak back in your lineup this week. Okay. What about the running back situation? Zeke and Pollard both absolutely just eight against the Lions. Shitty defense, and we all know the Lions can't really they can't stop anything. So it looks like at this point that Zeke is expected to miss this week's game with a knee sprain. And I think it's pretty obvious that that makes Tony Pollard a must start, right? Yeah. I mean, I, it was crazy when I, I literally type was typing this up yesterday and then it came out today that Zeke was probably going to miss the game. I was like, what happened? Cause like they both did so well last week. I didn't even realize that Zeke got hurt. Or I don't know if it happened during the game or if it happened in practice. Um, but, if Zeke is out, Tony Pollard's an easy play, man. I mean, Chicago gives up almost 23 points a game to running backs, and if there's no one else really competing for carries, then Tony Pollard's a shoe-in for you know a top 15 finish. Yeah, I'm totally with that. I'll just say I'm personally pretty hurt by the fact that Zeke is injured and is likely not to play this week because I've been trying to trade him all year. No one wants him unless they want to give me nothing, which I think he's worth a little bit more than nothing. And he has three touchdowns in the last two weeks, and I was like, here we go. Now I can capitalize and just sell high. Sure enough, he's not going to play this week. So, God damn it, Zeke. I know you're listening, and you <laughs> fucked me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so, Michael Gallup, outsnapped by Noah Brown, put up zero fantasy points. Is Noah Brown the number two receiving option for them behind C.D. Lamb? I mean, it kind of seems like it. He's he's out he's out snapped him or outplayed him. I mean, significantly outplayed him. Um, ever I know Gallup's only back for a few weeks, but like Noah Brown is playing more. He's, he seems to be getting more looks. Like right now, I think Noah Brown is your number two guy there until you know something else happens. It could very well be that Gallup. It's still working his way back. So I'm not like shutting the door on Michael Gallup. I think for the next, you know, maybe week or two, it's still going to be Noah Brown. Now, with that being said, Noah Brown did miss practice on Wednesday with a foot injury. And so his status for the for the weekend is, you know, up in the air a little bit. So if Brown's out, then obviously you're right back there with Gallup. But I mean, it's hard to say right now. Yeah, if I have Gallup, I'm going to wait a couple, maybe one more week. And if nothing's really happening. I'm I'm jumping ship. I'm not with it. Their passing offense isn't really that hitting like hitting that hard anyways. And if Noah Brown continues to get more snaps and more targets, you know, Michael Gallup's out of the picture and Noah Brown's not even a startable receiver. 
So it, it kind of puts them both out of the picture for me until we start seeing this offense firing. Yeah, and that's fair. I mean, Noah Brown or Gallup, for that matter, whoever, if you have one of them, they're both probably deeper league or, you know, multiple flex league type of type of starts. If you're in a kind of standardized PPR, um, you know, one flex type of league, you're probably have much better options than both of them. Yes, sir. Let's talk about the Dolphins playing in Detroit Motor City, playing against the Lions. The Dolphins are three and a half point favorites. Overrunners, 51 and a half points. Damn, that's pretty high. They expect a lot of points to be scored in this game. That's interesting. So, two, he came back from, you know, getting a brain replacement in the last couple of weeks <laughs> from those horrible concussions. <laughs> and he actually looked pretty good, which is great to see, you know. And now he gets to play the Lions, which we talked about all season. One of the worst defenses, absolutely porous. Just do whatever you want to do against them, pretty much. I think he's a great streaming option this week. I mean, yeah, I mean, the the Lions are are the Lions. It's like they they had a really good offense and they've kind of slowed down the last few weeks, but the defense has stayed really bad. Uh, nothing has been changing there. So yeah, uh, you can basically play everybody against the Lions um, at regardless of position. Um, Except for Mike Kosicki. I know I know where you wanted to go there, Trey, but you're not going <laughs> to play Mike Kosicki. I know they're playing the Lions, but just calm down. <laughs> you know, now Mike Kosicki's going to have a fucking 12-point game. So that's your fault for saying that. <laughs> also, Mike Kosicki's your start of the week. <laughs> no, but <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up because Tua is actually, he's going to be my quarterback start of the week. So I wanted to say that right now because by the time our start of the week episode comes out, it's going to be after the Thursday night football game. So Tua, he's a great option this week. Well, the- this game's on Sunday, homie. What? This game's on Sunday. Oh, it is on Sunday. Why did I say that? I have no I idea. Got to... Oh, I got confused by something else. Either way, yeah, two is my start of the week. Spoiler <laughs> alert. I don't know why Thursday came into mind. Anyways, that's weird. So yeah, two it looks great this week. But what about <laughs> Raheem Mostert? He's a must-start this week against the Lions. Is that I mean, what's happening? I don't know. Their, their backfield is fucking atrocious. Okay, but Mozart did lead the, lead the team in all-purpose yards out of you know running and receiving. So he had best there he got in the end zone. He's clearly the running back that that they're using. Their um, Chase Edmonds is seems to be less and less part of this game plan. Um, and I think a lot of it comes down to Mozart just knowing the system. You know, he has been with Mike McDaniel's in San Francisco the last few years, so. He knows it well. Um, they they know each other very well and how to, how to get the best out of Moster. And as we just mentioned, you can play anybody you want against the Lions. Raheem Moster is going to have a major week because the Lions are just that bad. Yeah, I'm totally with that. Chase Edmonds shouldn't even be on your roster at this point. He's a thing of the past as of now. At least on I do want to throw out. I do want to throw out there. Last week we did see Zeke. And Tony Pollard have big games against the Lions. They were both, you know, very fancy relevant players for the week. You could have started them both and been happy with both their production. Chase Edmonds, we've seen him be more than capable of being a very good back. What do you think could happen this week against such a terrible defense the Lions have? That Ray Moster has a great game and Chase Edmonds looks like shit. Because uh, <laughs> I, I see what you're getting at, but 
Tony Pollard. Pardon me, I'm getting my cat the hell away from me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Tony Pollard, he he runs the ball well. He has a great yards per carry. Zeke was struggling and did better than usual. Chase Edmonds has just absolutely struggled all year. I just don't think it's enough for him to actually have a good game. Okay. I mean, and I agree with you. I just wanted to throw that little nugget out there just to see if uh, one of you guys would trip on it. <sighs> Never tripping, dude. Don't catch me tripping. <laughs> so on the Lions side of the ball, here we go again. Jesus. DeAndre Swift. Practicing full on Wednesday. Looks like he's back and he's good to go on Sunday. I'm sorry for all you Swift owners. Just disappointments coming. This is Jamal Williams' backfield, and it and it should be. I'm speaking I a little I'm, out of pocket, but come on. Am a I little that bit. Wrong? I mean, I mean, kind of. In his first two full games of the year, he only came up with 40 points. The average... He's averaged 20 games, and then in week three is when he got hurt, and he uh, played a much smaller snap share. So, and those he's are the only ri- games he's played. He's a rich man's Rashad Penny. I don't want to hear this. Yeah, he's great when he's healthy. Okay, well, right now he's healthy. Oh, this right week now? he's healthy. Okay, if he comes back it- and has a good game, I'll give you the best advice you're going to get all year. Trade that guy. You do not want this. It's a ticking <laughs> time bomb. I mean, obviously, the injury concern is there. I, I understand that that portion of it. But, I mean, when he plays, he's super productive. He's good out you know out of the backfield. He's good with, you know, between the tackles. He's good outside of the tackles. Like, the dude has crazy skills. So, if he plays and he looks like he's playing, you're absolutely putting him in your lineup. Don't let, let Trey jade, Trey's jadedness, <laughs> you know, blind you over here. Shout out to Jada Pinka Smith. I'm hella jaded. <laughs> but... <laughs> Yeah, I, I would start him this week, and I do have him in a couple leagues, but I already know what's going to happen. I just hope he has a great week this week, then I can just ship him off for a little something in return. Because <laughs> I, I, I'm not relying on him come playoffs. I really, I just can't do it. I can't wrap my mind around the fact of relying on him to be someone to, to help me get into the playoffs and also perform in the playoffs, the fantasy playoffs. But speaking of, uh, you know, injured people, Amon Ross St. Brown. Practiced in a limited capacity on Wednesday after entering concussion protocol last week against the Cowboys. Got a little dinged up. Head coach Dan Campbell said that he actually isn't dealing with a concussion. He was just placed into the protocol because of precaution. I believe from what I read is that he had a little bit of like uh, motor skill problems as far as like wasn't able to. Um, how am I saying this? His motor functions weren't as well as they should be after that hit. So then he went into concussion protocol. He should be good to go on Sunday. But this whole thing, it, it does seem kind of weird, right? Like he didn't get a concussion, but they took him out because he wasn't able you know, to pass yeah, the motor like, function test. Yeah, it's weird. Like, because obviously they did the testing on him and they didn't diagnose him with a concussion. But the fact that like his motor functions were not up to par is just weird. It's like a phantom concussion. I don't know, man. But either way, he should be good to go this weekend, and obviously you're throwing him in your lineup uh, if he's healthy. It was a concussion of the soul, man. Got a hurt spirit. <laughs> but Josh Reynolds, on the opposite side of Amon Ross St. Brown, did not practice on Wednesday. He's got a knee injury last week. He did have the same injury. didn't practice on Wednesday or Thursday, but he did end up playing on Sunday. 
So it seems likely that, you know, the same situation will happen that Josh Reynolds does suit up on Sunday and play. And it, if we're being honest here, the Lions probably really need him because backups DJ Shark and Quintez Cephas, 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 either way, DJ and Quintez, uh, they're both on IR. So they're pretty thin at receiver right now. They definitely need Josh Reynolds back. But even if he's back, it's not someone I'm really looking at for fantasy. I'm more interested in if Amon Ra comes back. Yeah, I, I mean, it's weird. Josh Reynolds is quietly having a decent season. It's like borderline flex worthy every week. Um, last week was last week and week one were basically the exception. Other than that, he's had double digit points in every game. So um, just that when he has his bad games, they're really bad. Um, but I don't know. I think that Reynolds could could be a, a fantasy relevant play um, most weeks. Obviously, it's a little weird, but we'll see. Um, but yeah, you definitely want to make sure he plays because the guys that are behind him, I'm sure most people heard, have at least heard the name Khalif Raymond, not that he's been any good, but the other guy is Tom Kennedy. Is that a car salesman? Oh, I know Dude, you're I think he might run for president, like someone... man. Tom Kennedy, yeah, it sounds like a you know, <laughs> come down to Tom Kennedy Ford car lot. <laughs> Got the best deals in South Dakota. Yeah, it's it's uh it's it's weird. Uh, and we should also note that TJ Hawkinson also did not practice on Wednesday with a knee injury, so not really sure what's going on with there. They're not they're he's questionable for the weekend. Um, kind of status is up in the air, so. I mean, there's a lot of pass catchers that could miss this game for the for the Lions, and uh, I mean, if it's only Amon out there, I'm I'm a little worried about him being able to be able to produce with all of the secondary only looking at him. That's a good point. So maybe things are already looking up for Swift because it may have to rely on him more. But really, probably just a good thing for Jamal Williams at the end of the day. You know what I'm saying? Uh, <laughs> but. <laughs> Anyways, I'm kidding. Swift is definitely going to start this week. But let's talk about the Cardinals. They're going to Minnesota playing the Vikings. The Vikings are three and a half point favorites. Over under is 49 points. Looks like James Conner was practicing in a limited capacity on Wednesday. It is his first practice since messing his ribs up back in week five. So it seems like there's a good chance he'll be coming back against the Vikings. Do you immediately throw him back into your lineup? It's you know, it really is one of the few teams in the NFL where they do have a, a bell cow running back and they don't use a committee. And, you know, Benjamin did look pretty decent last week. So if Chance Connor's back, you starting him. I mean, you might not have a better option, but I don't think he's done you any good so far this season. Um, I do like the fact that they rely on a singular guy. And Minnesota's like, you know, they're like middle of the pack against running back, so he couldn't have any good game. But it's certainly worrisome because he ha- just hasn't done a whole lot for you th- for this season, even when he was playing. So um, I think it's kind of dicey, but you probably don't have a better option out there. Yeah, I'm with you. I wouldn't expect much. If you had better options, I definitely would not be trying to throw them out there. But it's a really low chance that you do have two other running backs that you can confidently start over James Conner, even as much as I do not believe in him at this point in time. What about Kirk Cousins, though? Is he streamable this week against the Cardinals, who 
they've let some big games happen. You know, week one, Patrick Mahomes lit him up for five touchdowns. Last week against the Saints, Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton. Andrew <laughs> Redheaded Dalton threw four touchdowns, 360 yards. He did throw three picks. But, I mean, you know, this team can be taken advantage of. So what do you think about old Kirk? Uh, I mean, if Andy Dalton can do it, Kirk Cousins can do it. <laughs> Fuck, put it on my gravestone because I'm with you right there. <laughs> <laughs> so, what about Adam Thielen? Obviously, Justin Jefferson's a must start, but Adam Thielen, he's been he's been flirting with being pretty decent, but not really, you know, uh, inconsistent as is usual for the last couple of years. Really, you're relying on him to get a touchdown, so. Would you throw Adam Thielen in there? Like, is he like flex worthy? Ooh, it's it's tough, man. Thielen's been kind of up and down, um, but no, no. I I want to say yes. I really do. I want to like put some faith in Adam Thielen, but I'm just I I just can't, man. I don't have that feeling this week. Oh, I got a feeling. <laughs> Yeah, I'm with you. Um, barely a flexible guy. Like, shootable in your flex. So I, I'm with you. But if you're really, really struggling, something, I, someone I would throw in that spot right there. And I know we kind of skipped over it pretty fast. But, you know, on, on the Cardinal side of the ball, uh, DeAndre Hopkins, he's a must-start. Had a great game last week. I want to bring up Kyler Murray just real quick. Uh, it's okay. been really disappointing this year. Like someone we're really expecting a lot of points out of, and he's been kind of fucking me. I mean, he is the QB six. I know, he is QB six, and yeah, maybe that's just a fantasy landscape right now. But like the last three weeks, the highest point total he has is seventeen points. He's not throwing for many touchdowns. He's not running like he used to. It's honestly surprising that he is quarterback six. I guess it just goes to show like how really just offensively in the NFL this year, not much is happening. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Um, and because he does have some running upside or quite a bit of running upside, obviously, uh, that helps a lot. And there has definitely been less parity when it comes to quarterbacks, running backs, and the tight end position this season from what we've seen in previous years. It seemed in the last few years, things were getting deeper and deeper, and like there was more guys you could throw in your lineup and be okay with, and it's the opposite this year. It seems like everything shrunk down back into like these small bubbles of good players. Then outside of that, it's like a, suit, it's like a major toss-up every week. So oh, outside of receivers, receivers are the one thing you can consistently rely. There's probably, you know, 24 to 30 receivers that you have no problem throwing in your lineup every week. But outside of that, yeah, it's can be a dicey proposition outside of the, you know, main bubble of guys at each position. Yeah, you kind of reality checked him. You said he's quarterback six. I'm like, God, every week I look at his stats and I'm just like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> I guess I'm just spoiled by, you know, the, the times of where I was getting, you know, consistent 25 plus point games from him. But, you know, the yeah. times have changed. It's a weird year. But let's talk about the Raiders <laughs> in New Orleans playing the Saints. Raiders are two-point favorites. Hell yeah. Over-unders 49.5, one of the highest over-unders of their morning games. 
And on the Raiders side of the ball, despite what B and you believed, you know, in the off season, we were really high on Derek Carr, and he has just not lived up to our expectations at all. It's, I, I know that you wrote here, he's merely a streaming option. I don't even know if he's a streaming option. It, it's so disappointing. And I know the first week that I say that, he's going to go off or I'm just like, avoid Derek Carr. But I've been <laughs> on his ass all year, and it's consistently disappointing. He really hasn't had that. He hasn't really had a great game. He hasn't surpassed 20 points one time. If we're talking about top 12 standards, which is about 17 fantasy points a game, he's only been top 12 twice. So it's honestly, I I think I'm avoiding Derek Carr this week, and it fucking hurts my soul to say that. Yeah, I mean, it's right. I mean, don't feel feel too bad on that because basically every major talking head that gets paid to do this as well, um, we're high on Derek Carr going into the season, and so he's making us all look a little a little silly here, but. You know, I <laughs> it's weird to say I'm actually still going to roll with him this week. Uh, New Orleans Ooh. isn't great against quarterbacks. The defense in general hasn't been as good as advertised um, where they're mostly stout is actually against the run. Um, and so maybe that that doesn't bode well for, for Josh Jacobs this week. I don't believe so. But, you know, that that's traditionally where things have been going so far for the Saints this season. So. There should be some openings up there for Derek Carr to, you know, have have a good game. So I think I'm still going to roll with Derek Carr as a streaming option this week, especially with two, you know, top, top guys out with Mahomes and Herbert. I'm glad you believe in him. I'm glad somebody does. I still do. Uh, but God, just not this just week. Can't. Yeah, just not this week. I can't do it. I really hope he does, though. So obviously their passing offense been struggling. But Josh Jacobs has been just absolutely slaughtering the last three games. He almost has 100 fantasy points in the last three games. We're talking like Derrick Henry at his peak like type of stretch. No one's really talking about it. At least 27 fantasy points a game. Like It's honestly insane. And I think he yeah. absolutely keeps it up against the Saints. He's on a roll right now. I think Josh McDaniels knows that they have to run the ball in order for them to win and be successful. And he really is the the cornerstone of their offense. And not many people saw that coming. I'll be honest. I didn't really see it coming, but I'm, I'm glad to see it. So he's definitely a must start. Yeah, I mean, he's he's been killing it um, on the season so far, or specifically the last three weeks. I mean, they did. I think you could, you could see like a paradigm shift in this offense. The first three weeks, they were passing the ball a ton. Um, Josh Jacobs was not getting a ton of carries up until... Like he had, he only averaged about 14 carries per game the first three weeks of the season. Derek Carr was throwing 40 times a game. The last three games, Derek Carr is throwing only about 30 times a game, and Josh Jacobs is getting a minimum of 20 of 20 carries. And clearly, they are a better team when Josh Jacobs gets his carries. So um, I think they have found uh, yeah a new way of doing things and a and the way that's working for them. So yeah, I agree with you. I think Josh Jacobs is going to continue to feast and you know get his and for the rest of the season honestly yeah he's a dark horse mvp candidate if this team ends up winning some goddamn football games if he stays healthy and keeps this up i mean he really is doing some great things right now but you know we brought up darren waller earlier in this episode someone who he expected to be a top tight end but hasn't really happened lately especially with the injuries that he's been 
experiencing towards the end of last year and during this year. He did practice in a limited fashion on Wednesday. He missed all of last week with a hamstring injury, missed the game. It seems like he is in line to play this weekend, and if he is healthy, would you put Darren Waller back in your lineup? I mean, the name is there. You know, he has that value of a guy who, when he, up until this season, has been in, you know, a target monster, um, a guy who is constantly being looked at by Derek Carr. And for whatever reason, it's not happening this week. It's weird um, that that's happening because you have a talented guy like that. And Josh McDaniels has shown he knows how to use talented tight ends in his in his past. So um, I don't know what's happening there. But yes, I think if Darren Waller's playing, you're going to throw him in your lineup. I can't imagine that you have some other tight end that is a better option than Darren Waller based off of the, you know, the landscape that the tight end position has given us on the season. Yeah, I'm with you. And I'm glad to hear you adopt my, uh, my phrase, the landscape. These rough <laughs> landscapes out here, man. It's the wild West. It's the dust bowl for a lot of positions. Not much is growing, not fertile ground, but on the same side of the ball, Looks like Jameis Winston is off the injury report, but they're still sticking with Andy Dalton as a quarterback. So do you think if Andy Dalton's under center, does that give guys like Chris Olave and Alvin Kamara, uh, Juwan Johnson, honestly, Jason <laughs> Hill, does it make them more productive with Andy Dalton as their quarterback? I mean, he's been the starter for five weeks. Jameis has been out most of the season, so... You know, these guys, you know, Alave specifically has been doing all of this damage with Jameis Winston out and then Michael Thomas also being out, who he looks like he's still out. He hasn't practiced yet. Um, and so that's, you know, we, I know we're going to touch on it here momentarily, but I'll just throw it out there now. Michael Thomas probably isn't playing this game either. So I think, yeah, I mean, he's clearly showing that, like, they're not, like, winning necessarily, but they're competitive at least. Um I don't necessarily think it's the best decision. I think I'd still go with Jameis because I think he has a much higher ceiling. Um, if I was the coach there, but I'm, you know, I'm not a head coach. I'm somebody talking to a mic right now. So, uh, I mean, I would, I would prefer one with with Winston. But Dalton's been the guy, and as long as he's there, you, we know what Olave and Kamara are giving you. Yeah, I was gonna say the same thing. Olave, it doesn't matter who the quarterback is. I think at this point, he kind of proved it. He's definitely worth it. Always starting. Uh, Alave, definitely Kamara. And you touched on it briefly. I'll just you know kind of repeat it real quick. Michael Thomas still hasn't practiced with that foot injury. He's cut him out since week three. I'll just do a minor victory lap. Uh, we talked about our bus of the season before the season started. And even though he was drafted kind of low, I already knew Michael Thomas was not going to be playing most of this year. And what do you know? We're going into five weeks without him playing. So yeah, victory lap for me. I'm doing donuts of the Daytona 500. <laughs> Pretty decent. You have to admit though, he looked good at the beginning of the year. He looked really good before I got. He hurt. did. He did. And I said it on that episode in the preseason. <laughs> yeah, he's gonna be a bust because he's gonna look good. But once he get, gets injured, he's screwed. And I haven't looked into it that much. But if this injury is on the same side of his body that it's been getting injured his whole career, just well, get rid of this guy. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know what foot it is. It's um, it's it has nothing to do with the ankle injury he sustained that kept him out all of last season. Um, so I don't know if it's necessarily the same, you know, leg or not. But 
Uh, they say it's completely unrelated. It's just a, a really bad, uh, I guess, I don't know if it's a Liz Frank injury or what, but just a bad foot injury that he's still working through. The injuries are just getting lower. Pretty soon it's going to be his toes. You know, they started up high. There's the knee. <laughs> there was the ankle. It's going to come back. It's going to be the toes. Toe. And then they're, they're just going to amputate the whole fucking thing. It's just, it's not worth it anymore. <laughs> he's is ruining that leg. But uh, Taysom Hill. I personally think that this week against the Raiders might be one of his best matchups of the season. It this is purely opinion based, and you can only take this with a grain of salt. But you know, I'm a huge Raiders fan. I watch a bunch of their football. He's the kind of guy who's just like the bane of everything that they do. <laughs> I it doesn't matter who's coaching. Like when when someone has that skill set and they're utilized, they can never figure out what to do against people like him. I really see Taysom Hill coming in and maybe having two touchdowns and having a really good game. He's going to come in and just totally throw things off balance for him, and they're not great at making adjustments. It's Taysom Hill is really in a good position to have a good game this week. I mean, and the thing is, like, he can have a good game against anybody just because, like, the way they can use him. But it's so funny because, like, if you just look at the matchup, like, oh, the Raiders are really bad against uh tight ends they give up you know the third most points on the season but they don't use Taysom Hill as a tight end he's listed as a tight end but they don't use him Taysom Hill has two targets on the entire season like he's not he's not there to be an actual tight end he's there to be you know this gadget player who they put him all over the field and just find a way to get the ball in his hand and I'm not saying you're wrong by any means I just think it's funny that like this is something that makes it look like oh this should be a great game because of the matchup you know, they're bad against tight ends, but Taysom Hill's not your traditional tight end by any means. He's not even your traditional football player. He doesn't have a position. Um, so it's just kind of a funny, you know, almost ironic that like Taysom Hill will probably have a good game, but has nothing to do with the fact that he's a tight end. Oh yeah. And I'm totally with you. You know, they do suck against tight ends, but it's just his skill set is what I'm getting at. He, he's really going to pose a problem for him. They hardly ever know what to do with guys like this, especially like these gadget guys. And Cordero Patterson has had their way, had his way with the Raiders in recent times, and he's probably the closest comparison to like a type of gadget player, not in the same sense. So, <clears throat> I think he's going to have a really good game. So, with that being all that talk about them yeah, not being very good against tight ends, though, was that safe for Jawan Johnson, who his his target shares have gone up the last couple of weeks? Um, you know, what has gotten 11 targets in the last two weeks and caught nine of those. So um, getting a lot of usage. Also, he had two touchdowns last week, which is huge. Um, but do you think he could be a guy that is a kind of a low end streamable option at the tight end position, a low end tight end one? Yeah, definitely. As you said, they're the third worst against tight ends this year. Traditionally, it doesn't even matter who the coach is. I don't know why. The Raiders have always been horrible against tight ends. So if you got a tight end playing the Raiders, you're really, you should definitely consider starting them. It's it's a historical thing at this point. (laughs) So let's talk about the Patriots. Uh, Not going very far to play the Jets in New York. The Patriots are one and a half point favorites. New Jersey, but. Fucking whatever, dude. <laughs> geography major. The, the, the Giants and Jets legitimately their stadium is in New Jersey, even though they're the, they're the New York Jets and Giants. Well, that's pretty fucking confusing. 
So either way, the Patriots <laughs> staying in the northeast section of the United States, and they're <laughs> playing the Jets. <laughs> they are one and a half point favorites. The over/under is forty and a half points. The team has announced that Mac Jones will be the starter this week for some reason. That doesn't make sense. Um, <laughs> it's not like we're really looking to play Mac Jones anyways, but it does affect the other fantasy assets on the team. You know, Damian Harris, Ramondre Stevenson, Jacoby Myers, who I think really does rely on Mac Jones being his quarterback. I like Jacoby Myers a lot on this offense when Mac Jones is quarterback. Oh, wait, I'm thinking that opposite, actually. I like Jacoby Myers when Bailey Zappi's in. Totally had that flipped. So um, I guess I answered my own question, but I'll let you talk about it. So if, if, if Bailey Zappi's in, I love Jacoby Myers. But how do you feel about these guys if Mac Jones is that quarterback? I don't know. The weird thing is, I mean, Mac Jones was the starter last week as well, and they, you know, benched him after three series and he threw a pick, and then Zappy came in and didn't play a whole lot better by any means. Um, but the team, the team seems to have a spark when Zappy's there, and yes, that was purposely said. Um, That's electrifying, dude. <laughs> Shocking uh, just, take. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry for using all the same puns you've heard for the last, you know, two weeks about Bailey Zappi. Yeah, um, well, but it, I'm just trying to stay current. <laughs> okay, that was a good one. That was a good one. I'll give you that one because that was that's clever. That took some thought to get to that one. I like that one a lot. It's not. It yeah. wasn't as you know obvious as a lot of the other ones are. All so right. you know what <laughs> I'm talking about? Okay, I'm done. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um, but yeah, I mean, the team just seems to play better when, when Zappy's in there. So I would expect that we see Zappy at some point. Um, that doesn't seem to bode well for the Patriots in general. I mean, you know, there's that old adage when you have two quarterbacks, you have no quarterbacks and it's something that has never actually worked in the NFL. You can see it work in college levels, but that's a whole different, you know, type of game. So, uh, New England's pretty much screwed until they figure out who they're going to go with, but they need to make that decision pretty damn quickly. Yeah, yeah. Either way, yeah. Bailey Zappi, he's got me amped up. Sorry, it's just too easy. There's too many <laughs> things going on here. Um, in terms of the running I, back, yeah, I put that whole thing together and didn't say a single word about like, is the people he's supposed to be getting the ball to. <laughs> Well, it, it, it's Jacoby Myers. I mean, their wide receiver situation is fucking horrible. Yeah, I mean, it, it is just Jacoby Myers. Even if it doesn't matter who's starting, Jacoby Myers is the only guy in, as a pass catcher on this team that you're even considering throwing into your lineup. And, a, you know, it's a flex play at best. Um, hopefully you have somebody and you might you might need to, you know, you have a few, you know, flexy flex kind of guys that are on by this week in terms of, uh, you know, Mike Williams is out. You have. Josh Palmer, that's out all on bye week, you know, MVS, maybe Juju. All those guys are guys that you would normally flex are not there now. So Jacoby it could be a pretty good play this week against the Jets. The Jets, um, even though they're they're relying a lot on their defense, they have so many injuries all over the place, it's hard to see what's gonna happen. Um it'd be it should be interesting seeing what they do with uh Sauce Gardner and see if he shadows Jacoby the whole game, though. Oh yeah, and he's been playing really well too, so that's a good point that you brought up there. But with the running backs, you know, Damian Harris seems to get uh, beginning more healthy. Last week he did play. He only had three snaps, played 17% or 
17% of snaps, only carried the ball three times. Ramondre, during Damian Harris's absence, has looked great. Uh, the last three yeah. weeks, he, you know, he has 60 fantasy points, which is great. He's number eight this year on the season as far as running backs go. He hasn't had less than double-digit points since week two. I- I'm still leaning on Ramondre Stevenson until Damian Harris works his way back into this offense. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to deny that Stevenson hasn't carved out a very significant role in this offense going forward. I know in the first few weeks of the season, we were saying that even though they were getting similar touches, Damian Harris looked just like the better back. Um, but Ramondre's, you know, taking the bull by the horns in this situation. You know, he got his opportunity. He's taking advantage of it. And so it's hard to see. It'd be very hard to envision, even when Harris comes back and is healthy, that Stevenson's not getting, you know, more carries and more touches than Harris is at, at this point. What about the Jets' side of the ball? I think the biggest news of this week, injury-wise, was definitely the fact that, you know, Brees Hall, was he was on a tear, and people expected a lot of him in the preseason, and it, it was coming to fruition. But, you know, now he's done for the year. He's tore, he tore his ACL, and shortly after, the Jets traded for James Robinson. What are we doing with James Robinson? I know he's learning a new offense. Uh, we, we actually talked about something like this last week with Christian McCaffrey yeah. being traded. So, and, and you brought up some good points. I, you might just bring up those points again with a running back being in a new offense. Yeah. Um, running backs tend to always be able to adapt to a new offense or adapt to the NFL level coming from college much faster than other positions because even though the concepts and the play calling changes, it's still, you know, run to the right for, make sure you run to the right side of the, of the play and then just find the hole. It's so much more instinctual than so many of the other, um, you know, positions. Like wide receivers have to really be able to see like co- the leverage of the covers they're playing. If it's, you know, zone versus man to man, all those things. Whereas running back, your job is to get the ball and hit the hole. And it doesn't matter if the hole's not where it's supposed to be. Your job is to find that hole. And, you know, that's all instinctual. So that's why guys tend to, you know, be able to adapt better for, at a running back position. Even though, like with Chris McCaffrey last week, even though he didn't play much, he was productive in the in the time he did play. He's got 10 carries, and you know, he only played like 28% of snaps and averaged like six yards a carry um, doing it. So, like, you just see, like, that's the way it goes. So, James Robinson uh, being able to, you know, learn this offense for a whole week, McCaffrey did it in a day and a half. And obviously, McCaffrey or James Robinson is not on the level of Christian McCaffrey, but it just, you know, kind of proves my point that James Robinson, even though I think you'll see a pretty close to a 50-50 workload this week between him and Michael Carter, James Robinson is going to look good and he's going to have, have his chances to to win. Um, and I would expect that come next week, he is stepping into that Brees Hall role and, you know, is getting 75% of the carries. Yep. Yeah, I totally agree. With Michael Carter as, as his competition, really the sky's the limit for James Robinson. And it truly is a blessing for anyone who has James Robinson on your team because he was fading into obscurity with Etienne taking over the Jaguars' backfield. And now he has the opportunity to be a running back one again because Michael Carter has been struggling all year. Three and a half yards per carry. He's only scored twice, barely playing 50% of snaps. They already don't really like Michael Carter, and it shows how fast they traded for James Robinson. So 
Yeah. Yeah. You, on, you are in a great it's, position. It's so crazy because I bet you if this happens one week later, you're going to see a lot of James Robinsons available on the waiver wire because I think you're getting to that point where he was droppable. Um, and the teams that, you know, and some guys might jump the gun and drop them already. But if you were still holding on to him, this is an absolute blessing for your team. Yeah, honestly, I was in my car after work looking at my updates and uh, I read that update and I was just, I, I literally said to myself out loud by myself, thank fucking God. Like, <laughs> just like, <laughs> you mean there's hope? Because I have James Robinson in like three out of the seven leagues I'm in. And I was like, oh my God, this is like the, literally the best thing that could have happened to him. Yeah. So yeah, huge I think that wraps up. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, it pretty much wraps up that, that game. Let's talk about the last game of our uh, Sunday morning start or sits here. The Pittsburgh Steelers are in Philadelphia playing the Eagles. The Eagles are 11-point favorites. That is a <laughs> fat, fat favorite spread right there. And That's the over-under is only 43 points, so they expect the Eagles to really just shellack the Steelers here. Yeah, the Steelers side of the ball. They're basically saying that the Steelers are going to score no more than 10 points. Which I'd really to be about the over on, but let's talk about let's talk about the Steelers. Are we starting anybody on that team? <laughs> yeah, um, uh, I mean, obviously Najee, you have to you you can't sit Najee. There's no way you're going to be able to because you probably drafted him in the first round. If you happen to get him the second, cool. You still can't sit him. There's no way you have somebody that much better. Um, maybe you got lucky. I mean. Okay, maybe there's a scenario where you pick Najee as your first back, got Josh Jacobs like the round later, and then later in the then you know the eighth or ninth round you got Damian Pierce. Maybe that's a, that's something that happened, and you're able to to withstand the awfulness of the Steelers' offense and the start Najee Harris has had on the season. But for if you weren't that lucky, you're gonna have to play Najee. Outside of that, though, I think you can sit everybody. I'm gonna sit Fryermuth. I'm gonna sit Deontay Johnson. Just can't rely on him. Um, especially this George. week because the Eagles have been a ball hawking defense and Kenny Pickett has shown that he likes to throw the ball to the other team. So uh, I would expect the Eagles to get a lot of chances to be on offense this week. You bring up a lot of good points. I will just say two things about that. Uh, Najee Harris, I, even if you drop him in the first round, we're in week eight now and he's been disappointing for so long that honestly, if he has another bad week, you're gonna start sitting this dude. It's fucking horrible. It's but, really, I mean, really disappointing. For most for most people, who are you gonna have that you're gonna realistically be able to start over him? Like I, I, I threw out one not, scenario, but there's not many of them. It, it sounds wild, but if he keeps putting up point like gains where he gets seven point four, five point one points, nine and a half. I mean, if he's putting nine and a half points, you gotta start him, but he's getting to the point where it's it's you're really, really hoping to find a different running back. I, I see what you're saying, though. It's kind of crazy to sit him because you're not going to have a really better second option in this running back landscape. But goddamn, how disappointing is that first round pick? And he hasn't scored more than like 12 points in a game all year. But the second thing I'll say yeah. is uh, George Pickens. That's the only person I would start on the Steelers. It's a rough start, but you know if they're going to be getting their asses whipped, they're going to be throwing the ball a lot. And uh, George Pickens should be getting the ball. Yeah, but they've been getting their asses whooped a lot this season, and they're—I mean—and they're not doing a whole lot. So, I mean, I'm not sure how much that really helps you. 
Well, you know, five out of seven games, George Pickens has... Uh, oh, I'm looking at Najee Harris. God damn it. Uh, <laughs> three out of the last four games, Najee Harris... God, I'm messing this George up. George Pickens. <laughs> three out of the last four games, George Pickens, he has had double division points. So He has. He has. If there's anyone t- taking a risk on in this offense, it's George Pickens, which is crazy to say. Over yeah. Najee and Harris you know, and I'll, fucking Deontay Johnson. Yeah, you know, and and you know, I'll, I'll probably back you on that too. Um, Pickens is coming along, and every week he does seem to make some some play. You're like, damn, that was a really good catch. You know, um, he had that toe tap touchdown uh, last week where when when you saw it live, you didn't think he got that second foot in, but he did. So uh, pretty cool situation. He has gone gone over there. He does seem to have a decent connection with. Kenny Pickett, and hopefully that that is. But yeah, I mean, I guess if there's somebody that you would throw in your lineup with some kind of confidence, it probably would be Pickens right now. That's a that's a good point, man. Yeah, yeah, I know. That's why I brought it up. Thank you. <laughs> um, so the ego side of the ball, we're pretty much starting everyone who is relevant. You know, Jalen Hurts is an obvious must start. Um, Miles Sanders starting him. Devonta Smith starting him. Go there. We've been going there. We're gonna keep going there. Dallas go there. Skipped over AJ Brown. And uh, honestly, I was looking it up really quick just to make sure AJ Brown was healthy. But yeah, AJ Brown. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. I basically worded this whole this whole matchup like, are you starting anyone for the Steelers, and who are you not starting for the Eagles? Uh, and basically, answer: You're starting everyone for the Eagles, and you're starting. Or at least on your flex pickings for the Steelers. So that's it. Pretty simple game on this one. Yeah, I wish I would have just said that from the beginning. <laughs> we talked about it for like 10 minutes. And what you just said sums, sums it up perfectly. It's at the end of an essay. <laughs> this is my thesis. Or, <laughs> in conclusion. Yeah, in conclusion, this is what you should have heard 10 minutes ago. But either way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that pretty much wraps up that game, which also wraps up pretty much this episode that's all the early games for our starter sits um if you're listening to this it's going to be on thursday most likely and on friday you will see our episode be posted with our late game starter sits and also our starts of the week which is one of my favorite things to do personally and um sorry my cat is so distracting right now god damn it um yeah that pretty much wraps this episode up so if you haven't done it by now Follow us on Twitter at the FF Fathers. Ask us anything you want to do as far as with your lineups, what you're doing on your waiver wires, things like that. We have no problem answering those questions. Whatever you're listening to us on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, make sure you follow and subscribe. Give us five star rating. If not, you can just fuck off. Don't even rate <laughs> us. <laughs> and uh, yeah, did I miss anything there, Big Irby? Nah, I, th- I think we got it all. Yeah, and by fuck off, I mean just come back next week. Uh, you never know. It could be better. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> all right. Shit. Yeah, so uh, we'll, we'll see you on Friday with our late game starter sits and our starts of the week. <laughs> Bye.